This week on Grubstakers, having to pay your workers is bullshit. Hey, welcome back to Grubstakers. Sean P. McCarthy here, joined by Yogi Boywalt, Steve Jeffers, Andy Palmer. And as you're hearing there, it is the theme song for Penn and Teller's Bullshit, which I remember as a child, they wrote an episode which is basically all about why Walmart is good. And I guess, Yogi, you watched that recently. Oh, yeah, that Can you episode, give us a quick sucks. summary? Essentially, you know, they talk about why Walmart is good is because they employ people. You know, technically, sweatshop jobs aren't as bad as living in a third world country. <laughs> and, you know, basically, Walmart's not bad because money is good. Mm-hmm. They were like, um, a living wage is bullshit. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Worker safety laws in the third world, also bullshit. Yeah. You I know mean, what's not what? bullshit? What? The Gary Johnson presidential <laughs> campaign. <laughs> but yeah, Penn and Teller, these, what, libertarian musician, uh, magicians. They wish they could play music. Yeah, you know, uh, Teller made the most sense in that episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was agreeing with all of his points. <laughs> Literally the only thing I remember from that episode, because I did watch it a long time ago. You know, I think it was like a high school libertarian or something. But um, I remember... Really glossing over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean, talk more about that period of your life. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this was when I was attracted to 16-year-olds, so it made sense for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, uh, the the only thing I remember from that episode is they interview some guy who doesn't like Walmart, and he like makes fun of the workers at Walmart, and then Pendulette gets like up in the camera, like "fuck you, how dare you disrespect <laughs> the hardworking people at Walmart?" Yeah, and, you know, like in retrospect, you're like, "Well, what do you think the management at Walmart does, Mister Gillette?" <laughs> yeah, that scene is uh, these two uh, copy shop employees that uh, have a website called Hellmart.com where they make bootleg. Walmart t-shirts parodying like you know why Walmart sucks and at one point those two people are like yeah the people that try Walmart are you know um, buck tooth guys and you know women with too many kids essentially and Pendula gets all uppity about it but then the sad reality is they're Way to say- shoot your cause in the foot <laughs> yeah right right hey let's uh insult workers in front of this nasty libertarian <laughs> who fucking makes a patented tub for himself to have sex in. Does the Dirty Jobs guy have an episode on <laughs> He interviews no. the Waltons like, you know, uh, burning children in Bangladesh to death <laughs> is it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. <laughs> somebody has to cash those checks. So, yeah, so... Should we start out with uh, Walmart's basically uh, extra national uh, segment? Yeah, we could get to that. But I, I should just mention that um, laws against wage theft are bullshit. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, a fucked up thing. It's like, so yeah, I, I think as a lead into, and so this episode, we, the previous episode. You know, we're making fun of them, but they're um, uh, ball and cup. Routine, mm-hmm. one of the best I've ever seen. All of the supplies purchased at Walmart. They do it with clear plastic cups, mm-hmm. and it's still very impressive. Well, I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. They're not bullshit. Yeah. But you know what? Our bullshit. Huh. I'm sure. I'm Unions. sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Gillette and Mr. Teller would uh, appreciate it if um, uh, the manager at a venue they were at came up to them after and said yeah we're only going to pay you for 40 minutes of the performance (laughs) (laughs) because uh but yeah like so just to kind of uh yeah so the previous episode we talked about um uh, jim walton and how he built the walton empire sam uh, sam walton excuse me sam walton and how he built the uh, the walton and walmart empire and this week we'll kind of just talk about some of the horrific abuses of Walmart. We can't get to all of them. And then we'll talk about the seven heirs to the Walton fortune just a little bit. We'll kind of give allegedly it, yes. all fuck each other. We'll give you a short rundown on those people. Allegedly. But, I, I, yeah, and I guess Andy's right. We should probably start with the supply chain because that is the most horrific thing Walmart, or at least the most horrific thing I can think of that Walmart is involved in. They're certainly not the only criminals in this respect, but it, it is worth talking about. And something that I want to emphasize, because this kind of goes into Walmart's labor practices, 
Walmart sets people up in the position where they have to break the law in order to achieve results. Right. So it's like what will happen is like say you're a store manager at Walmart. You are given X number of labor hours to achieve results. And if you don't do that, you'll get fired. So and these results are just impossible to achieve with those labor hours. So, uh, you know, the Walmart high cost or low prices documentary, they interviewed a manager at Walmart and he said that because, you know, they don't give any overtime at Walmart, he constantly saw managers. He said he only saw one manager in his entire time there who didn't do this. When a worker punches 41, 42 hours for the week, they will go into the system and change it to 40 hours. This is wage theft. It's completely illegal. But of course, there's no uh, punishment for it. But it is just something where it's like, if you are the manager who actually obeys the law, Walmart's going to fire your ass. That sounds like something that happened when I worked for some anonymous company that was owned by the Swiss post office. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, so I mean... It, it, I, I can't go into detail about this uh, Swiss post uh, type company. That's completely understandable, Andy. That might have done wage theft and, you know, union intimidation. Allegedly. Allegedly. Andy, just admit it. You worked for a gay pornography company. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's like, it's something where... It was pornography equality. They never paid overtime. (laughs) (laughs) They act, they put on such a woke face for the public. Look, we gave you five minutes to finish. We don't care. We're not going to pay you for seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, my fault. I'm on SNRIs. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, like as I mentioned there, uh, if you're a manager and you can't get the job done, they'll fire you and find someone who, who will. And the only way to get the job done with the number of labor hours you are given is essentially to engage in wage theft and other shady practices. And... It's something where it sets Walmart themselves up in a pretty solid position where they will say, we tell our managers never break the law, but they give them goals that are impossible without breaking the law, and then they fire them when they don't break the law to meet those goals. Mm -hmm. And the exact same thing happens in Walmart's supply chain. where um, Well, the thing about labor law is uh, it's it's bullshit. bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Having to be 16 to work at a factory is bullshit. (laughs) 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 All right. So basically, I want to talk about two. That blowjob that uh, Chris's wife (laughs) from from the The Sopranos gave me. Bullshit. Adriana blew Pendulette right after he was finished blowing Jim Walton. Um, but so I want to talk about two rather horrific incidents that concern Walmart and we can talk about Walmart's supply or reaction to both of them. But this is about Walmart's supply chain and it's pretty endemic of Walmart's supply chain practices where there's been a lot of reporting about, um, their supply chains in China, you know, like they're all involved with the suicide net Foxconn type of thing where these people are working, you know, what, uh, 12 hour days, 14 hour days, um, there's a lot of child labor uh, in Cambodia. In Cambodia, there was an incident where like workers uh, organizing for, I think, 20, I think it was 20 extra dollars a day, um, and they were shot and killed. You wow. Know? So, uh, and again, Walmart is not the only offender here, but I want to talk about these two incidents in Bangladesh because they very specifically concern Walmart, and you can see Walmart's corporate practice and corporate uh, response to this. So the first is called the DACA fire at the Tazreen Fashion Factory. And this happens in 2012. About 117 people die. It's kind of a classic, you know, triangle shirtwaist factory fire situation where um, exits to the outside were locked. Uh, and the only way out was through the windows on the upper floor. Over 100 workers were injured by jumping out of the windows from the third and fourth floor to avoid burning to death. And that's from cleanclothes.org. And Clean Clothes alleges that as of 2015, Walmart has paid no compensation to those people who uh, were wow. completely burned to death. The thing about fire escapes is <laughs> they're bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Let the government tell you how you can escape a fire. 
Um, but so this is interesting. So like what will happen is, uh, and this happened with uh, both of these incidents we're going to talk about, is that as soon as somewhere in the supply chain is found creating horrific abuses, Walmart says, we didn't know they were supplying with us. So they point the finger at their suppliers where they say the suppliers use these factories without telling us or getting our permission. But it's also... It's weird that they go through a company called Plausible Deniability LLC. (laughs) But uh, so um, basically the other weird thing is that even though Walmart denies knowing that these were in the supply chain, there are records of Walmart inspectors going there and certifying these places. So what happens is in this uh, particular factory where there's this fire that killed 117 people, um, I'm just quoting from the New York Times here, an accredited outside auditors had periodically inspected the factory on Walmart's behalf. A May 2011 audit, this is a year before the fire, gave the factory a, quote, orange rating, meaning that there were higher risk violations and that it would be re-audited within six months. If a, family, if a factory gets three orange ratings over two years, it supposedly loses Walmart's approval. But what happens is there's a follow-up audit a few months later giving them a yellow rating, which means they supp- supposedly improve standards. Of course, they didn't. Within a year, a hundred more than 100 people would burn to death because they had, like, you know, no fire extinguishers, no fire exits, all these things. So it's like, and, and if you watch the documentary, uh, you know, Walmart, the uh, high cost of uh, low prices, they actually interview one of these factory certification guys who worked at Walmart and essentially tried to do the job honestly, where he like, he said himself, he like believed in the Walmart culture and he like even liked doing the stupid cheer and stuff. And he came up and he gets promoted to this job where he inspects these factories. And what happens is like, he notices the horrific workplace violations, such as, you know, lack of fire exits and all these things, you know, endemic child labor, and he won't certify the factories. So they fire him, you know? They fire him for that. And it's just the same thing with the managers and these kinds of things where you see in this case at this particular factory. I like how like their corporate ladder is like if you do a good job on the floor, you can work your way up to sweatshop sweatshop paper over. Yeah, like he told... Sweatshop enabler. He told the camera, like, the night after his first day there, he got on the phone with his wife and just cried because it was so horrible watching, you know, these people in these horrific working conditions. But it was something where he tried to do the job honestly, and they fired him for doing the job honestly. And you see again with this one, uh, this particular factory, the Dhaka uh, fire at the Tazreen factory in Bangladesh, um, some Walmart inspector gave this an orange rating, which means they need to be improved. But then, of course, either him under threat of his job, his or her job, or some other person went back two months later and was like, no, actually, it's fine, after no changes have been made. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so for this fire, Walmart, uh, as of 2015, has not produced any uh, funds to compensate the victims. But uh, the New York Times found something pretty interesting, which was in April... First time for everything. <laughs> in April 2011, um, uh, there was a meeting between um, Bangladeshi factory owners, government officials, NGOs, uh, several apparel factory... Uh, yeah. And this was in response to several apparel factory fires that had killed dozens of workers uh, the previous winter. This is before the big uh, fire. And uh, a Walmart representative was at this meeting, and this is from the New York Times, the Walmart Director of Ethical Sourcing, uh, which is an Orwellian title if there ever was one. Um, But so along with an official from another major apparel apparel retailer, it might have been Gap or one one of these people, uh, they noted that the proposed improvements in electrical and fire safety would involve as many as 4,500 factories in Bangladesh and would be, quote, in most cases, a very extensive and costly modification. It is not financially feasible for the brands to make such an investment, the minutes of this meeting said. So about a year before this fire that killed more than 117 people, a Walmart rep went out there and said, we're not going to spend any money to do fire safety. And this is an extremely small part of bottom line, profit margin. It's very cheap in the long run, you know, right. like, um, but of course, it's all about shareholder value and maximizing, squeezing everything out of every little fucking person on the chain. Job creating. <laughs> 
And uh, it, it's just kind of funny because, of course, you know, this fire breaks out in 2012, 117 people die. And then Walmart's like, we had no idea where they're like sending people to inspect this factory and having meetings about how they don't want to spend any money to improve fire safety and stuff. Um, I mean, if maybe those people in those factories studied a little harder, um, they could get a job that won't burn them alive. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, deflection from personal responsibility going on here. I'm just imagining, like, Penn Jillette getting angry at a 13-year-old working in the factory. Like, how dare you res- disrespect Walmart? Make fun of the people in the executive offices. <laughs> Those are hardworking Americans. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's like, and so there's a, a person quoted from the Workers' Rights Consortium that says, it stretches credulity to think that Walmart, famous for its tight control over global supply chain, didn't know about this. And it's like, it gets into the other thing. Walmart doesn't disclose publicly who their uh, sources are for, you know, garments and everything else, but they do these internal company audits, which is, you know, cover your own ass and these kinds of things. Um all facilities, uh, I'm quoting from um, uh, the, an article in The Guardian, all facilities are, diclo- are disclosed to Walmart for, quote, responsible sourcing audits. Yet since the audit reports are not public, there is no way to confirm whether its suppliers are b- abiding by the company's standards. So this is essentially the shell game Walmart plays where they know who their suppliers are, but if there's a violation or a, fa- a fire that kills 100 people, they can say, no, we had no idea right? because they don't publicly disclose their suppliers. Yeah. Not nearly as impressive as Penn and Teller doing the shell game with clear cups. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess the second story here is even more depressing, but then we can maybe move on to the more lighthearted topics of wage theft and uh, rampant sexism and Walmart's <laughs> hiring practices. And they're truckers. Yeah. Um, but so the other story is about a year after this fire that kills 117 people, there's another, uh, there's a building collapse, the Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh in 2013. This is an eight-story commercial building collapses. Uh, 1,138 people died. Uh, this housed several garment factories that did supply Walmart. And... Um, the fucked up thing is essentially after this collapse happens, there's a split whereby um, H&M and some of the uh, European companies enter into a legally binding uh, agreement with the trade unions on the ground to say we will ent- implement factory safety reforms. What's the and- chance that this collapse that killed basically the equivalent of half of a 9-11 that in those factories they were making t-shirts that say we remember 911 <laughs> yo doug <laughs> yeah jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams but uh building code violations do <laughs> well, the uh, thing about building code violations building codes, <laughs> building codes are bullshit you think the government can tell you how to build your building it must be so awkward to just finish, like, final cut of your, like, building codes are bullshit episode, <laughs> and then, like, 2,000 people die the next day. Um, but so, yeah, so uh, what happens is um, there's this accord, which is, again, uh, a legally binding agreement between H&M and some of these other European uh, garment companies, which, uh, in fairness, uh didn't really do much, like according to um, uh, one report by uh, uh, the F- Asia Floor Wage Alliance, despite the binding nature of this accord, progress has been slow. Just seven out of the 1,600 factories have completed implementing their corrective action plans. Another 57 factories are on track, but almost uh, 1,400 factories are behind schedule. So even though this is a legally binding accord, like as of 2016, not much has been done. But Walmart and The Gap and some other North American suppliers uh, decide not to enter into this. And instead, they set up uh, a PR campaign, which is a uh, the Alliance for Bangladesh Worker Safety, wh- where it's 
just a voluntary organization, basically. It doesn't involve the trade unions at all. So they just set up their own little uh, implementation where they spend no money and they say, yes, we're setting up this Alliance for Bangladesh Worker Safety, which of course does not incorporate any voices from the Bangladesh workers. They actually put a former congressperson, like some blue dog Democrat from California in charge of it. And it's all just like a front-facing PR scam. I think this is from The Guardian. It might be from somewhere else. Uh, the five-year voluntary plan aims to train workers and inspect factories while requiring Bangladesh factory owners to pay for safety renovations. To help factories pay for this, the alliance will provide $100 million in low-cost loans. But so basically, like, they can't even enter into this agreement with the trade unions after more than 1,000 people are killed because they don't want to have any legal liabilities whatsoever. So they set up this PR campaign, which is just entirely like, yeah, uh, you guys go fix it. Well, I'm glad that, you know, they were able to extend to them uh, years of debt servitude (laughs) to improve their structural integrity. Uh, the executive director of the work. Uh, this is from sustain. The quote was from sustainablebrands.com. And uh, it's not like with a loan, there will be pressure under the company to cut costs in any way they can manage. <laughs> Uh, from the executive director of the Workers' Rights Consortium, uh, they are essentially asking the companies and factory owners to regulate themselves. They want people to see this as an alternative plan, but it's no different than what companies have been doing without success for decades. And uh, again, this is like um, working conditions in you know Bangladesh, Cambodia, China have not meaningfully changed, and we've been having the same conversation about you know sweatshop labor since at least the 90s in the United States, and it's just something where it's like when almost 1,200 people die because of a factory collapse, Walmart will just set up a public relations campaign, and they will set, they'll set up the Alliance for Bangladesh Worker Safety, which, of course, uh, does not consult Bangladesh workers. Wow. <laughs> you know that alliance that famously doesn't include the people it is named after? <laughs> the but, thing about self-determination... Uh, it's bullshit. <laughs> But yeah, and I mean, that's basically the story of Walmart in the third world uh, supply chain. And I think less than 2% of, I believe, clothing in the United States is actually manufactured in the United States. Like, there's been a huge shift where particularly (laughs) particularly in the uh, clothing sold in the United States is manufactured in the United States. But uh, there's been a huge shift particularly in the regard of the garment industry off uh, offshore. And Walmart has been a leader in uh, these horrific abuses. And uh, they really have just like a see no evil, hear no evil approach where right. they put the onus on their suppliers to give them goods at these cheap prices that are really not achievable without these labor and building code violations. And then, of course, they have plausible deniability because they don't publicly disclose who their suppliers are. Even they're monitoring it internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to talk about uh, the trucker situation at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we all know, um, Tracy Morgan was hit by a truck driver uh, that worked for Walmart um, on the New Jersey Turnpike. And um, <laughs> the truck driver was like, this is for my gay son. <laughs> <laughs> so um, at the time, people don't know about this, but that truck driver was driving 20 miles over the speed limit. Mm. So he's driving 65, where a truck driver should be driving 45. But also, well, you know the thing—the thing about um, speed limits. What the fuck? The thing Wait, about try it speed again. limits mm-hmm. <laughs> is they're bullshit. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Why, what was the first thing that came up? Was it an advertisement? It was like a acapella version of the 30 Rock theme song. Oh, I see what you're doing. I didn't... Okay, all right. Anyway. The um, thing about acapella remixes is, is they're actually bullshit. Alright, so truck driver hit Tracy Truck driver Tracy Morgan, but he'd been driving for 28 hours at that point. And the problem with truck drivers at Walmart is that when um, Sam the ma'am uh, <laughs> was alive, basically they were treating truck drivers correctly because uh, they are the backbone of the you know big store industry. And 
if you look online now, they're they're having trouble finding new fleet truck drivers because Walmart's gutting their cost basically originally they would all get paid the same until 15 years later then make a cent on each mile but now Mm -hmm. all truck drivers hired will make five cents less per mile until after five years Hmm. and that plus a whole bunch of new laws with cameras in trucks and stuff are making it so that it's very difficult for truck drivers to make a living at walmart shipping goods at one point I was reading a thing where uh, basically if you're driving a truck for over 10 hours and like the store was closed, they'd let you just go home at night. But now they want you to wait until somebody can help you out. Like it's like they've just made it so much harder for a truck driver to like be able to do that job correctly. And so there's a lot of initiative right now that says uh, Walmart is putting more money into the truck driving jobs but really it's they're putting more money in paying truck drivers less um which is terrible also i'm just imagining tracy morgan in the car like on the way to the club like i can't wait to do my new bits about walmart supply chain problems (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm really going to expose the corporate culture over there right right. (laughs) crazily it's difficult to find drivers if you pay them less yeah yeah yeah. like there's a claim there's a truck driver shortage but it's really just like (laughs) this one company just like raised their wages to like a slightly reasonable degree and suddenly that shortage went away yeah (laughs) they uh they bought like i think 10 or 12 one of tesla semis and they're testing it in canada right now um, but I, I, I worry about uh, what that oh, will do finally, to... Finally, we can start killing robots with... Com- <laughs> <laughs> can start killing comedians with robots. Um, but I mean, like, if you just go on YouTube and look up Truckers Walmart, there's a whole bunch of people just like... There's like I watched two or three of these videos, but they're like 20 plus minutes long, and they're all about how Walmart is fucking everyone over. And one of the main things is that in the Illinois... A Walmart was fined $50,000 for fines because of truck parking. And it wasn't that the trucks aren't allowed to park there, but it's a zoning issue. But Walmart could just change that by painting new parking lines for the truckers. And, you know, in a lot of the forums, truckers are saying that, like, well, if we're on the roads waiting for a rest stop, we'll drive another hour or two before we can get to a rest stop. That's why we, we choose to park at a Walmart because nobody's fucking there at two in the morning and it's a fucking open parking lot, you know? <laughs> um, but one of the other reasons that they stopped allowing people to park overnight at Walmarts is because uh, people are living in the parking lots. Because, you know, essentially you gut a area of all of the jobs and you don't have enough money to pay people and they can't afford a place to live. So they live in the cars in the Walmart parking lot. Well, I mean, if everyone had a job, we'd have serious inflation. I, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. If, if some people have to sleep in the Walmart parking lot, you know, that's just what we have to do to keep that inflation down. <laughs> well, they're not allowed to park there anymore, so they got to keep they got to keep moving if you know what I mean. Well, that's that's good cuz I'm sure sleeping in parking lots also causes inflation. <laughs> Walmart's had a uh, problem with the self-driving trucks where they keep like leaving the depot driving to Tracy Morgan's house. <laughs> <laughs> Target acquired. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, the um, there was another comedian. They just have like a, a group of people who were hired straight out of the Air Force drone program around <laughs> like computers monitoring <laughs> Tracy Morgan, waiting for the <laughs> like the sign to <laughs> send a truck into his house. Uh. Yeah, the there was another comedian in the car, James McNair, and mm. uh, his kids reportedly got ten million dollars. And he was killed, right? He was killed. Yes, um, that's why his kids got the money. And uh, Tracy Morgan. They was rumored he made ninety million, but then they deny it. Which, in my head, I'm like, oh, they might have denied it because it was less. And then I'm like, they might have denied it because it could have been more. Yeah. But essentially, if you look at the lawsuits that Walmart has settled with uh, throughout the years, they probably paid about a billion dollars worth of just, oh, we fucked up. Here's more money. Like mm. there are constant worker complaints that uh, uh, lead to lawsuits, including uh, this Tracy Morgan incident. But Walmart Didn't sucks. they also countersue Tracy Morgan? Well, so they countersued the insurance company because they own and they have the they have insurance for the truckers, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted the insurance company XL Insurance to pay the, what they settled with Tracy Morgan, and that insurance company was like, "No, we're not going to do that." And so Walmart's like, "Well, we'll sue you." So then there was another out of court settlement oh. between the insurers and Walmart. So they won't even pay like. 
They made this fucking guy drive 28 hours. He's obviously rushing to his next delivery, trying to figure, trying to finish his 28 plus hour shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not sleep. That you know, driving 28 hours isn't. Oh, he took a nap, you know, for like five hours. He's just been driving for a day. I mean, he mm-hmm. might have gotten a brief nap in at the end of that drive. <laughs> Ironically, he was watching Thirty Rock in the car <laughs> in the truck. I just, I don't know, man. That, that's like this is an incident that occurred where it was tragic, but you you know Walmart has a whole bunch of truck drivers that oh, are yeah. just working, of course, uh, ten to fifteen hours I every mean, fucking day. It, it's horrifying because it all fits the same theme where like these truck drivers are worked to death, and if they fuck up, Walmart will say it's your fault. Yep. The manager is forced to cut labor. The it, first Walmart will say, "What the what?" <laughs> <laughs> Blurg. <laughs> Traffic laws are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on from uh, uh, their horrific practices with the truck drivers, um, I guess we should just mention, um, I hate to bring it back to the Bangladesh thing, but do you have that drop about child labor? I do. Yeah, so like in addition to these horrific working conditions, uh, you know, they just have like a lot of children working. I think one of the CEOs of Walmart was actually interviewed about this in 1992, and he's like, well, people might have different definitions of what a child is. Wow. (laughs) Well, the thing about, you know, defining what constitutes a child is... It's bullshit. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, um, how many how many times do you think that the whiteboard for Penn and Teller's bullshit uh, had age of consent laws written on it <laughs> and then erased? But yeah. So, like Bob Ortega, like uh, the guy who wrote, we mentioned, wrote the Sam Walton biography. He goes to like one of these factories and he finds all these underage workers, and like he knew that. Um, the Walmart executives, when he called them about this, would be like, well, you know, like, you're like a white Westerner, so you can't really tell how old Bengali children are. Wow. You know, maybe they're just like short, short brown adults or whatever. So he actually like prepared for this and he got like birth certificates to show that these people were like seven-year-olds, 11-year-olds, these kinds of things. And um, do you have the drop of him talking about And then they, they called me back and they said, well, uh, we've looked at it again and uh, we think there may be kids in the factory, and so we're going to cancel a contract there. Wait. And I said, well, and then what? You're going to move to another factory where the conditions are how different? I said, don't you think maybe it would be better to stay at the factory and, uh, and try to improve the conditions? Or is there, don't you think there's something else maybe they, that you can do? And they said, no, if you're going to do a story about this for the paper, then we're going to cancel the contract. So it's up to you now. You can write a story, and 300 people will lose their jobs. Or you can not do the story. Uh. Look what you've made us do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Eric Andre meme where it's him shooting Hannibal Burns. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who shot him? <laughs> Just uh, the smiley face being drawn by seven-year-olds. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea about Walmart's corporate culture, their responsibility, where they're just like constantly threatening people. And it's like, you know, when Chomsky talks about corporate power, this is what we mean. Walmart is in many ways a totalitarian government. They set up a surveillance state focused on their employees to prevent them from unionizing. They um, constantly, you know, scapegoat other people, throw them under the bus, and they expect them to ignore U.S. laws, all while maintaining plausible deniability about their own responsibility for that as far as... Yeah, but those seven-year-olds, like, they can leave that job anytime they want. Like, it's their personal choice. And if you're saying seven-year-olds can't work... In that factory, you're denying those seven-year-olds their personal yeah, liberties. I mean, seven-year-olds can consent to sex and they can consent to work. That's obviously how seven-year-olds are treated around the world. But it's like, so just kind of like... <laughs> consent laws are bullshit. Uh, continuing on, like, just the Walmart story. Um, the From the American Prospect, they talk about how Walmart... Uh, had to withdraw from Japan. They failed there. And uh, I don't know if they've come back. As of 2009, they had to withdraw from Germany. Uh, so it's kind of done poorly in these 
uh, nations where there is like a tradition of social democracy and in the case of Germany, unionization. But just the one thing that I found interesting from this, Walmart's efforts in Germany were not helped by the fact that its policy of encouraging workers to call in anonymously to report on misdeeds, including union sentiments of their fellow workers, reminded Germans of the Stasi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It should also be noted that the uh, call in anonymously thing mm-hmm. uh it last episode it didn't really come through because we have a bad cell phone signal here but if you call their labor line uh which uh just to reiterate is one eight seven seven five four five two two six seven. the first thing they ask you is to enter the last four numbers of your social security number that's fucking insane One walmart thing- walmart union line howard stern is in the store trying <laughs> to unionize the workers <laughs> You know, well, we talked about Area 71. Baba Bui. Their, their uh, secret data center that uh, is probably a uh, nuclear bunker for the Waltons. We actually haven't talked about that yet, oh, but well, we can talk about we that. We should. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so after 9-11, the Waltons uh, built like 15 miles from their headquarters in uh, Bensonville, Arkansas. Uh, they built this uh, giant bunker it's a 125,000 square foot building uh surrounded by razor wire and uh heavily much of the building is underground and uh supposedly it's a data center but the only people who have been inside it are the that don't directly work for walmart are the county assessors for that area and they've had to to sign non-disclosure agreements just to see inside the things to assess it for property taxes so nobody really knows what they're doing with it but there's a lot of allegations that it's a gallery of tasteful photographs (laughs) of the walton uh descendants uh allegedly fucking and sucking Allegedly, there it's a 460 terabyte facility that also controls the music, the climate, and the clock in and outs of all of the stores around the country. And all the world, actually. They're the one who... Uh, so they're responsible for climate change. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Whenever anyone talks about uh, uh, unionization, they have to play the Penn and Teller's bullshit theme. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I play that, but I don't have it queued up. Yeah, it's all but right. We beat re- that joke to death already. One of the reasons I want to bring that up because there was this, uh, there was this new was article. Bullshit. I did. Did I blow your mind? There's this new article from uh, Illinois that talked about uh, Walmart introducing these new shopping carts that have heart monitors in the handles, and so they would monitor the heart rate of customers walking around the Walmart and house all of this information in said Area 71. So basically, they want to know what what fucking makes your dick hard and your blood boil <laughs> when you're walking around a fucking Walmart. And, you know, we talk about how the the data that they collect is uh, influencing how they, you know... It all goes up when they walk by, like, the book section of Walmart, and it's like a book written by a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it just... It goes to show you that uh, their stranglehold on data to increase um, their sales is fucking demonic. Hmm. Um, they don't need to know that uh, my dick gets hard when I see cereals on sale at Walmart. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's fucking insane. Right, we so... Need more Honey Nut. <laughs> <laughs> There's this article in the Joplin Globe which kind of speculates about this data center and like one of the allegations in there is that they're essentially like trying to set it up so that as soon as you check out at a Walmart, they'll immediately like get a camera picture of your mugshot and they'll have this personal profile on you right, with... Right. All of your information about what you buy, who you are, all this kind of like creepy Orwellian stuff. They're also talking in there about like if you're like in the store, say, trying on lipstick, it supposedly allows them to communicate with the lipstick seller and tell them about you, their customer, and just all this kind of like creepy stuff. But then the other part of it is, uh, again, it's in Bentonville, Arkansas, about 15 miles from the corporate headquarters. So the other allegation is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff about this being a a post-apocalyptic bug out for the Walton family bunker. And it it doesn't help that it was set up right after 9-11. But just quoting a little bit from the article, uh, changes have been made to increase the integrity of the structure. The data center was designed with backup generators, fuel on site, and room and board for a skeleton and crew in the event an emergency required an extended stay. Uh, the other, there's another Walmart data center. We that have to protect the savings. <laughs> <laughs> there's another Walmart data center uh, was built so that it could communicate via any means available, including copper wire, fiber optics, and satellites. Right. So, you know, it's like, 
it's probably a data center, but I could entirely see that it's like, oh, when the fucking Bernie Sanders uprising comes, the Waltons will flee to their fucking bunker. I mean, the only thing that's odd is, so this this was built, I think, around 2004, but then Mm. in 2011, they built another data center in Colorado. Oh, I didn't know that. And, yeah, and what's crazy is that the Colorado data center has no information about the amount of like storage it has whereas the area 71 does and it's odd because you think that like oh they built another data center they'll probably have similar specs and stuff no no information interestingly enough like the giant walmart super centers um kind of a competitive disadvantage against amazon but they will be extremely useful as fema camps (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of conspiracy about right, that right. on the internet as when well. They, yeah. When Obama was doing the Jade Helm thing and they thought there was going to be a military coup, they were like talking about like Walmart shutting down yep. mysteriously yeah. to like <laughs> intern political prisoners, which, yeah. hey, maybe. Just another failed Obama campaign promise. <laughs> <laughs> First Guantanamo and now this. Oh, God. You know, like, so when I was looking at the uh, truckers YouTube stuff, I went down a couple of wormholes and one of them did lead to like... Like Walmart truckers moving goods underground into Illuminati dug tunnels for the uh, Waltons uh, in the uh, inevitable future when the uprising begins. It was actually underground was a mock-up of a section of highway where they had a trained driver to drive a replica of Tracy Morgan's van. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they would they would do practice runs with Walmart drivers. They go to uh, Sam Walton on his deathbed. Like we have a problem with this comedian Tracy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you in touch with the team that took out President Kennedy. <laughs> There's um, a secret Illuminati tunnel <laughs> going right to Morgan's driveway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there's like this creepy post-apocalyptic bunker they have. And I guess we can just kind of like quickly run through like the labor practice. I think we've kind of beat this to death, uh, both on the previous episode and today, but just a a note, Walmart generally keeps, this is from American Prospect, Walmart keeps its labor costs down to about 10% of sales, whereas most discount retail competitors are about 11 to 13%. So, you know, they, the... And that, of course, is passed on to the Walton family and the shareholders and these sorts of things. So that extra, like, 1% to 3% makes a huge difference. But um, as basically there have been uh, dozens of successful uh, wage and hour lawsuits brought against Walmart in the next decade. Uh, and then, you know, Nelson Lichtenstein, who wrote the book, he opines that the company pol- this suggests that company policies have successfully pressured tens of thousands of managers and their assistants into becoming law ma- lawbreakers. We mentioned, of course, you know, the wage theft, busting people from 42 hours down to 40 hours, all this stuff. And uh, there had been a $50 million settlement in Colorado for off-the-clock work settlement. There were lawsuits in 31 states around wage theft. So this is an endemic problem with Walmart. They pay shit wages, and then they steal even that. Right. You know? Um, and uh, and we've kind of mentioned about... The thing it, about overtime, though, is uh, <laughs> it's bullshit. Uh, one... Uh, Walmart manager was quoted as saying corporate policy is, quote, fight each and every unemployment claim. And we've kind of mentioned about how if they want to get rid of you, they'll just put you on a shit schedule, uh, reassign you, um, do whatever they have to to make you quit so they don't have to pay out unemployment. And I guess we can just kind of mention the corporate welfare aspect. Do we want to talk about Hillary Clinton? Yeah, I guess we should talk about uh, Mother Hillary first. Um, and you know, I love having the support of real billionaires. <laughs> um, Future 2020 candidate. And 2024. I guess they, we should... they gave her the experimental drug that kept Sam Walton alive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should introduce her. Um, uh, who better than her former commander-in-chief, Barack Obama? While I was working on those streets, watching those folks see their jobs shipped overseas, you were a corporate lawyer sitting on the board of Walmart. <laughs> who's that socialist (laughs) drones fired (laughs) but yeah i mean so yeah hillary was on the board at walmart i mean it's pretty exemplary and actually like president bill clinton was a huge both beneficiary and assistant to walmart's process of fully outsourcing to china 
where um, we've, we've talked about, you know, the destruction of U.S. manufacturing jobs after China entered uh, most favored nations and the with the WTO and got WTO membership. But it's just one of those things where it's like uh, Clinton and then George W. Bush really turned U.S. trade policy in a way that allowed China and Walmart to benefit from this right. Chinese thing. She was also yeah. like on the board uh, to Walmart while kind of at the height of their union busting. And uh, I mean, this this kind of was repeated at uh, ad nauseum during the 2016 campaign. But, you know, it's still worth repeating that, like, she didn't say anything like to in support of the workers and then, you know, turned in 2016 to get as much from as much union support as she could. Mm hmm. Well, one of the things alleged that uh, they do have at Area 71 are her emails. <laughs> I mean, 460 terabytes. It's somewhere in there. They just couldn't find them. There was also, um, I think it started in 1999. This is just kind of a, uh, another Walmart thing is that uh, some woman filed a class action lawsuit against Walmart uh, essentially because of discrimination, you know, right. women were paid less and promoted less and it made its way to the Supreme court. Uh, and the Supreme court ruled that, uh, because women could not be considered a class, mm. uh, mm. it was not a legitimate class action lawsuit. Wow. And, I've heard rumors that like Clinton suggested that strategy to them, but I, I don't I don't know if I can, I couldn't find anything to back that up. This week, two X chromosomes are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so two things I want to talk about are first just corporate welfare, crime at Walmart, and then we'll briefly go through the seven Walmart heirs on the um, Forbes 400 list. But just from the Intercept in 2013, Walmart cost taxpayers this is just walmart themselves about 6.2 billion for expenses such as food stamps medicaid and housing assistance for their employees because they don't pay their employees enough uh one study the thing about welfare <laughs> one study uh released earlier uh this year i believe that was 2017 estimated that taxpayers spent, or public money, was about $152.8 billion in 2015 as a result of low wages. So Walmart costs the public a lot of money. Uh, uh, one uh, study, walmartsubsidywatch.org, said that there was about $1.2 billion in tax breaks, free land, and infrastructure assistance, as well as um, low-cost financing and grants, you know, tax abatements, these kind of things, from state and local governments to set up um, Walmarts in their area. So again, you have like the corporate welfare of, you know, the state subsidizes your low paid employees. You have the corporate welfare of they give you, um, you know, ta tax abatements, tax breaks at the local level to build. And then you also just have the fact that Walmart has cut uh, security to the bone as they've cut all labor. So police forces have to uh, subsidize them. And we kind of mentioned this on the previous episode, but Basically, there was a Bloomberg article in 2016, but this has been a problem at least since the 90s. And uh, interesting thing um, uh, from the documentary uh, that I mentioned, the Walmart, the high cost of low prices. Uh, in 1994, Walmart did an internal study, which determined that 80% of all crimes in Walmart happen in the parking lot. And this study also found that when they, uh, they had uh, security guards or just people, part-time employees, drive around the the parking lot in golf carts, it dropped crime to almost zero. What? And they knew this in 1994, that just like having people patrolling the parking lot would destroy crime there. But of course, Walmart doesn't give a shit because it's like once you buy your stuff and get out of the store, they don't care anymore. They just want right, to prevent right. shoplifting. So because they cut labor costs to the bone, uh, they, they knew that this crime problem wouldn't go away. But what happens is a new CEO comes in around 2000 or so and uh, they fire all the greeters to, like, take people away from the door, and they cut labor costs even more, all these self-checkout things. And since, you know, 2000 or so, there's been a real explosion in just crime in Walmart parking lots. Um, and I guess just the story from Bloomberg is, uh, this was written in 2016. So in 2015, police were called to uh, this uh, store in Tulsa. I believe, I guess we decided this is Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, is yeah. it? I, I don't know. I thought it was Arizona. But they, they take the example of one uh, four stores near Tulsa. 
Born yeah. in Arizona, moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> Basically, uh, this is from Bloomberg. Uh, this store and three other Tulsa Walmarts, police were called there just under 2,000 times in one year. Uh, the four Target stores in the city, they were called about 300 times for comparison. Um, and so, and that's like Walmart mostly just calls the cops on shoplifters. You know, again, they outsource their security concerns. Mm-hmm. But there's also a ton of violent crimes in these parking lots. So, again, just from Bloomberg, uh, more than 200 violent crimes, including attempted kidnappings and multiple stabbings, shootings, and murders, have occurred at the nation's 4,500 Walmarts this year, or about one a day according to an analysis of media reports. Wow. And then, you know, they just have, like, some various uh, police captains and stuff complaining that, like, half of their squad spends most of their day just at Walmart, you know? So it's, like, it's an entirely unknown consequence. And then, like, the other part of the story is, like, if you, say, get, like, robbed or violently attacked or, you know, women have been raped in the parking lots of Walmarts, abducted, women have been killed, of course... Uh, carjackings, all this stuff. If you are the victim of a violent crime, uh, there is a law that says that the owner of a premise has a responsibility to provide your safety when you're on it. And so people will sue Walmart. But what's been happening is Walmart lawyers would always like deny the existence of any sort of internal knowledge about crime. But as we mentioned, going back to 1994, they've entirely known about the problem right, of crime right. in the parking lots, and they still, you know, cut the greeters and didn't spend any money on uh, security for the parking lots. So it's just, like, really a horrifying thing where they've That's just... their choice as a private business. <laughs> they've just uh, uh, used public resources to subsidize every aspect of their operation, and then they still talk about how they're self-made and all that. But I guess the... The moral of this lesson is uh, a Walmart parking lot is a great place to lose your car. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I guess uh, if we can move on to the seven Waltons on the Forbes 400 list. Yeah. Okay. So Sam Walton, we talked about extended length on the previous episode, but he had four children, three sons, a daughter. Each of them are worth about $45 billion. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's Jim Walton as the youngest son. Um, uh, Rob Walton, I believe is the eldest son. Jim Walton's worth $45.7 billion. Uh, Rob Walton, this is according to Forbes, uh, Rob Walton, $45.4 billion. Um, uh, Lucas Walton is the grandson. He's age 32. He's worth $15.9 billion, Wow. Which, uh, again, like, just a, two years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> worth, fi- worth more than uh, fucking Peter Thiel. <laughs> um, well, that's because you don't hustle, Sean. Yeah, you're not on your grind, bro. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when he was a sperm, he really hustled. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, He's the sperm that made it. Yeah, but you know, conceivably, he is in our demographic for this podcast, so you are welcome <laughs> to come on at any time. <laughs> Give us a billion dollars to shut this down. <laughs> um, oh, but just kind of like a weird thing. Um, so Lucas is, uh, as we mentioned, he's 32 years old, 15.9 billion. He is the grandson of Sam Walton. Um, and then his mother, who married into the family... Uh, his father was another Walton son who died in a plane crash, I believe, in 1995. Um, his mother says that Lucas battled ch- cancer as a child. Uh, his mother, I believe, Christy Walton, uh, she has said that an all-organic diet eliminated his tumor. Um, hmm. Wow, the Jenny McCarthy of billionaires, huh? I just like that. More like the Steve Jobs yeah. of alive billionaires. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, like, God had to pick one billionaire. <laughs> but so, uh, yes, yeah, so you have uh, Christy Walton as his mother, um, and she married into the family, and then her husband died, oh, in 2005. John Walton was the other one, and he died. So Christy Walton, worth about $7.3 billion. Uh, then you have um, Ann Walton Kronike, uh, worth about $6.6 billion. Uh, she also married uh, another billionaire, Stan Kronike, who like has a big real estate empire. They own the Los Angeles Rams, Denver Nugget, Col- Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, right. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Nancy Walton Laurie is worth five point seven billion dollars. And uh, then I just want to talk a little bit about Alice Walton because she's my favorite. <laughs> and allegedly, they all fuck each other. Yes, Alice Alleg- and Walton Land. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Alice Walton is worth $45.4 billion. We, we mentioned she's the only daughter of Sam Walton. 
Um, she doesn't really deal with the day-to-day operations. I think that most all of them are on the board, but they, um, to various degrees, let other people run the company. Uh, but Alice Walton... They are crucial to the functioning, and that is why they are worth so much. <laughs> Uh, Alice Walton, inside philanthropy, called her, quote, America's most important arts philanthropist, (laughs) which is uh, she keeps doing a performance art with her car (laughs) where she uh, (laughs) keeps uh, expressing the rage of contemporary society. It's it's transgressive, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But ramming it into pylons and uh, sometimes pedestrians. (laughs) So, um, and she's able to let her uh, creativity flow with copious amounts of alcohol <laughs> that have led to what was it you said earlier, like four DUIs. Yes. So this is just from Ranker.com. Um, Alice Walton has been involved in at least four DUIs that we know of. And uh, I'll go through them just uh, again from Ranker.com. Over Thanksgiving weekend, 1983, she crashed her Jeep in... Uh, Uh, Mexico. She shattered her leg in the accident and had to be airlifted out. The injury caused an infection, leaving her with a permanent limp. She broke her nose in another instance in 1998 and was charged with a DUI. So there's two. Uh, in Arkansas in 2011, she was caught drunk driving on her way home from the gala opening of her Bentonville Art Museum, Crystal Bridges, which we'll talk about in a second. She spent nine hours in jail, but otherwise went unpunished. So we're up to three now. In 2013, a similar scenario occurred. She was set with a court date, but suddenly the highway patrolman who arrested her was suspended from his job with no reason provided. Since he couldn't testify in court, the case was dropped. And again, like, these are the richest family in America. They basically own Arkansas government. So we're up to four DUIs, and then actually it's five. Uh, Alice Walton's worst traffic accident occurred in 1989. On a misty morning, she crashed into a pedestrian on the road, killing the woman instantly. No charges were brought against Walton. So, um, well, thankfully, she was on the uh, Walmart health plan, and so <laughs> you know, all of the bills were taken care of. Legal insurance. Right. She killed that person. And she was like, thank God it's not Tracy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Alice Walton is, um, uh, again, like a wine mom, um, uh, philanthropist. She, interestingly enough, she opened Crystal Bridges Art Museum. We kind of mentioned on the I'd, previous... I'd say she's more of a whiskey mom. <laughs> uh, she opened Crystal Bridges Art Museum, which is a, an art museum in... Um, uh, Uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, near the Walmart headquarters. But it's also got like this, you know, I think half a billion dollar collection, which is, you know, kind of in like a rural area that that happens to be near where they live. So it's like, you know, they open their own little art museum. Uh, And this is like, of course, counts as her philanthropic giving is like this kind of gaudy, gaudy display of uh, wealth. I mean, without without people like her contributing to the arts, we wouldn't be blessed with Jeff Koons or Damien Hirst. Like, who would put half of a cow in formaldehyde and poison uh, the people working at the museum who have to be security guards for it? You know, I will that say that actually happened. I do respect her uh, at forty-five billion dollars net worth, uh, insisting. On rather than hiring a driver, just hiring enough lawyers to cover her <laughs> yeah. DUI bills. Um, but yeah, and so, you know, she has like a fucking drunk driving problem who's not completely unaccountable for this. But interestingly enough, because she is like a huge philanthropist in the art world, she has disproportionate influence. And we were talking off mic about this a bit, but essentially because like so many artists, you know, uh, at least mainstream gallerists and these kind of people rely on philanthropy from the wealthy. It's impossible for them to have any sort of uh, socialist or revolutionary politics besides an aesthetic because they entirely depend on these fucking Alice Walton people who like literally murders people with her own car while she's not cashing the checks from murdering, murdering seven-year-olds in Bangladesh with a uh, fucking fire. I just know. like to imagine like an abstract piece where it's like two circles that are kind of separated from each other. And then the title of it is that drunk driving laws are imperialist. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else they are? Bullshit. (laughs) Oh God. Um, But so I guess like uh, the last bit of my research today talked me, brought me to a very fun piece of liberal identity politics so if you would just like to hear alice walton again uh murdered someone with her car uh is 
at the head of one of the most rapacious and vicious and I think evil supply chains in the modern capitalist world. Uh, but she has a museum and she funds artists. And uh, she says this. For museums to be truly inviting public spaces, they must better reflect the communities they serve. Achieving diversity requires a deeper commitment to hire and nurture leaders from all backgrounds. This initiative creates the opportunity for museums to build a more inclusive culture within their institutions. So you can hire all of the diverse members of the community who have been uh, displaced by Walmart. (laughs) And uh, I want to say right before we go... um you know the thing about lounge music? Uh-huh. It's not bullshit. <gasps> really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been Grubstakers. Uh, I'm I Andy. Just, oh. I, I was just going to say her commitment to a diversity within the community includes seven-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when we talk about diversity, we have to focus on this inherent bias towards hiring people who are 18 or older. <laughs> I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Yogi Powell. Steve Jeffries. All right. Thanks for listening to our special on the Waltons. We'll be back next week to talk about the elections. Bye. Also, if you're a Grubstakers fan living in New York City, Sean McCarthy will be performing a free stand-up showcase at the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City, October 29th through November 2nd. It's his week at the Creek. It's going to be fantastic. The shows start at 7 p.m. And myself, yours truly, Yogi Powell, will be hosting a few of those shows. God bless you. Good night. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-